and then meeting their tight smiles. Don't bother them, I told her in Taiwanese. They get their food free, as much as they want and better than what you have. The woman violently turned her head to the right, cracking her neck. These Americans, she hissed, they never want to pay for anything. So cheap. They're cheap because they don't want to be ripped off by you. They're ripping me off. They're blocking customers from coming in with all this. She pointed at the lighting rigs. How am I supposed to do business? I put my hands on my hips and cocked my head at her. Nobody's blocking you, and I already saw you selling plenty tonight. You're only upset because you haven't been able to gouge the Americans working on the TV special. Go back to flim-flamming the everyday tourists. She pointed a finger accusingly at my nose. This is an extremely rude thing to do in Taiwan. Chen Jingnan, she said, using my full name. Just because you spent some time in America doesn't make you one of them, okay? I've been working here at the night market longer than you've been alive. You have to respect me. She slammed the fruit samples to the ground in disgust. I turned my back to her. This is an extremely rude thing to do pretty much anywhere. Her stand hasn't been here that long, so that was a lie. But it was true that I had gone to UCLA and that I had once aspired to be one of them, an American that is. I dropped out of college and returned to Taiwan because my father was diagnosed with a late-stage cancer. My mother was killed in a car accident on her way to the airport to pick me up. To this day, whenever I hear people being paged over an intercom, I think they're going to be told that their mother is dead. I had no idea when I left UCLA that I would never be going back. But how could I leave Taiwan after that? I was a soon-to-be orphan who would inherit a huge family debt and my parents' business, a food stand with two faithful employees who would be jobless if I didn't keep it running. During the grief-stricken weeks that followed my mother's sudden death, my father and I only talked about what we were going to eat next, never about his inevitable departure. He told me again and again that a person in food service should have integrity. You're giving people something that will become a part of their bodies and their memories, my father had said. They should be able to trust that your food is good, your kitchen is clean, and that you've done your best. Those have been my guiding principles in carrying on the family business, a skewer and stew stand here in the Shuling night market. It's a little joint with only a few tables, but I have big dreams and a modest international following. I'm sort of a local hero, honestly. This evening, the sounds of the market were amplified by the pre-mid-autumn festival crowds and the excitement surrounding an American television station's taping of a stinky tofu-eating contest. I watched families walking by, wives and husbands and kids with gangly fawn legs gawking at the American crew and their cameras. They pointed and laughed together. It looked like so much fun to be them. I didn't have a family anymore. I sucked in the inside of my left cheek and clamped my teeth on it. Hey, said Nancy as she touched my arm. Jingnan, don't let that fruit seller get you down. She's just mean. I looked at Nancy and I had to smile. I wasn't alone in the world as long as I was with her. I was an adult orphan and she was a 22-year-old grad student who didn't talk to her single mom. The two of us weren't part of Taiwanese society's accepted narrative, that of families of two and three generations living in one house, or at the very least, gathering together on a regular basis. It made sense that Nancy and I had found each other. We'd met at Bauhaus, a CD store, when she was working there. It had the best import and bootleg sections. The store mysteriously shut down recently. I don't know if it was due to legal action or illegal action. The place had been run by a criminal with exceptionally good taste in music.
Some underworld figures run scams selling fake slots in Columbaria. Others sell pirated copies of limited-edition pressings of Joy Division songs that would otherwise only be in the hands of a few collectors. Surely the latter was an honorable thing to do, if illegal. And if Bauhaus hadn't existed, I might have never met the woman that I love. I patted Nancy's hand. The holidays get so annoying, I said, even without this TV special. I know that Johnny would never let anything get to him, Nancy teased. Johnny was the name of the persona I put on to sell food, a happy-go-lucky guy who ropes in tourists with his fluent English. He's not a bad guy, but he's too mainstream. For example, Johnny would be willing to take money from someone wearing a Justin Bieber shirt, even pose in a pic with him. Meanwhile, the inner Jingnan would be screaming, No, 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 we don't need his business. One of Johnny's best qualities, though, is his unabashed love of the band Joy Division. Extra points.